welcome to today's episode. Today we review first match and we also look at which TV shows have gone past their sell-by dates and finally we find out what is meant by cage or nonsense. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Film Is Me podcast, the film podcast about film, entertainment, general pop culture. It's the podcast that looked at all the releases over the last week and thought, hmm, not going to go see Show Dogs, I'm probably going to watch Infinity War again. Anyway, talking about greatest hits that keep coming back, joining me on the pod today is my man, it's the guy you may have heard of on BBC Radio and BBC News, for good reasons, BBC <laughs> Essex Radio, for sciencey reasons. He's also appeared on the podcast and a few times, to say the least. He's one of our main guys. Jamie Hannon, how are you doing, pal? Not too bad, mate. It's uh, you know been a lovely week. Weather's been good. Got a bit of tan, mate. Looking young as ever. So I'm good, mate. I'm good. You're, you're doing a ploy because, see, when Jamie arrived in the <laughs> studio, he noticed that I had some moisturiser down. Because even oh, though... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Age-defying moisturiser. <laughs> <laughs> because even though I'm not in front of the camera, you still got to look good, darling. Anyway, shall we crack on with news? Indeed. News. Deadpool 2, classic film. Awesome. It's doing box office records already. Fantastic. It introduced us to a young guy called Julian Dennison. He played Russell, a.k.a. Firekiss, a.k.a. The Fat Kid. Um, he's just been appointed a new role in Godzilla vs. King Kong. King Kong, you may know from Skull Island recently come out, as well as the Godzilla revamp that had Brian Cranston in. They're kind of building a movie universe, and, and this guy's been cast in the role. How's that going to work? Well, he's not Godzilla. He's just basically... No. They're going to follow like a... But if you think about like King Kong, yeah. yeah, in the classic film, he's on top of the Empire State Building. Yep. So he's what? Maybe 40 metres tall? 30 metres tall? I, I don't know science, but okay. And Godzilla towers above cities as he destroys them. So is that not going to be a little bit like me versus a mouse? I'll pay to see that, to be or, fair. Or, you know, me drop-kicking a cat over, <laughs> over a bridge. We should point out, no, no cats have been drop-kicked in the making of this podcast. But um, in the latest Kong Skull Island movie, they've oh, actually big, they've made him big. You don't know how big, but he yeah. can swat he can swat helicopters out of the sky. So yeah. how big's a helicopter? Helicopter size. Helicopter yeah. size. Yeah, and yeah, that, pretty big. That's sat in his hand. So I suppose that's your ratio there. Okay, so it might be a... Yeah, you're right. Okay, so he might be a similar. Or they size. might do a thing like in Rampage, the rock movie recently, mm, where I still haven't seen that. That's see very that. good. We have a podcast review about that as well. Um, it's very good. Plug there, but um, <laughs> there's also like basically George gets to bigger sizes. Basically, the more pissed off he gets. So yeah. maybe they do something like that. A lot of people, you know, talking quite a bit about disappointment, which is kind of cool. It's great to see a Kiwi actor because there's not that many of them about that. That's always good. And also, he's obviously a large chap, so it's good to to see you know different body shapes and everything else in cinema. But you know what? This is reminds me of. Do you remember in Iron Man Three, there was a kid in it who stole the show. Yeah. Right, and he on the back of that he got a role in Jurassic World mm-hmm. with his little brother. Do you remember? It turns out he's, he's just he's just a kid actor, right? He's not yeah. obviously he can do a little bit, but he's not he's not exactly you know DiCaprio sort of performances. And people went fucking nuts for it, and it, yeah. it probably stifled his career a little bit. Maybe it's similar things happening here. It happens with child actors a bit, though, doesn't it? Like, yeah, they get, they get sort of pigeonholed really early on, don't they? And it does it does does affect their future career. Yeah, or they become Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> who in real life become the Zodiac Killer. 
That would be the greatest connection ever. Anyway, moving away from that. Amy Schmelz, you may know her in Alien Covenant. She was also in Stranger Things. She is joining the remake slash reboot of the new Pet Cemetery movie. Do you remember Pet Cemetery, classic 80s yeah, horror film? Yeah. And that's being remade at the moment with Jason Clark and John Lithrow. That's right. Lord Farquaad is in oh. the Pet Cemetery. And I really hope, I mean, every time I hear his voice, I can't help but just think of Lord Farquaad. So even yeah. if he is you know, trying to be serious, I can imagine him just going, well, it's okay for you to just kiss me or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to work on my John Lithrow impressions. Yeah, no, Thanks, mate. My yeah. wife just says I can't do impressions particularly well. But what does she know? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, she's joining the new cast. And that's, yeah, it's an interesting take. Uh, Amy Schmelz. <laughs> and I should say that her and my wife are two different people. Although they've never been in the same room. Oh. But, um, but anyway, yes, Amy Schmelz is in that film. I, I, I keep moaning about reboots and remakes but I'm actually quite looking forward to this Yeah, it is a bit of a classic but I'll tell you one remake that I was uh, a bit apprehensive about was the Crow remake we reported on this a while back mm-hmm. where Jason Momoa was cast as as the lead in this yeah. and it's a project that's taken a long time to, to get off the ground and it did finally and unfortunately Jason Momoa and the director have both decided to, to walk away from this one um, reason why actually Jason Momoa well, <laughs> is that the reason? <laughs> well, let's, it's, you might be onto something there. So, Jason Momoa decided to pick Instagram as his place to announce the film's no longer happening. And this is this is what he said: "I've waited eight long years to play this dream role. Mm-hmm. I love you, Corin Hardy, the director, and Sony Pictures. Unfortunately, I'll have to wait another eight more. Our team, I swear, but I will." sick i'm just reading exactly how he says it so forgive the the grammar in this um sorry to let you all down but i will not be in this film this film needs to be set free to the fans and sorry i can't play anything other than what this film deserves and it needs love and attention i'm ready when the film is right so he's basically saying the film's shit yeah you know you know without putting words into his mouth there interesting that he announced that on instagram well it turns out that instagram's the place to announce loads of films which leads us into our next bit of news good segue there um is that top gun 2 um we announced it a while back it's going to be titled maverick tom cruise decided to because it was in very much secrecy Mm. um it's like tom cruise is used to being part of a cult of secret things and (laughs) and not knowing about what's coming anyway um he announced on his Instagram account that actually not only have they got a cast, not only have they got a director, not only have they got um, the storyline sorted, they actually started production. And he shared a picture from the first day of production, which was him in his Maverick outfit with the caption, Need for Speed. And... uh, but that's the wrong film. It's yeah. from Days of Thunder where that quote comes from. But anyway, it's still, still a Tom Cruise film. So yeah. even Tom Cruise goes, fuck it, I'm in so many films. I could just... Put, just blend them. Yeah, you know what? I could just say, fuck it, aliens are invading. It's War of the Worlds as well. Yeah, no one's going to know. But yeah, it's just like he announced that sort of stuff as well. What I find odd about that is surely the majority of Instagram users probably don't even know what Top Gun is. You know, if you think about that, you know, obviously our demographic and older who use Instagram, of course we know what Top Gun is. If you think about mm. the 18 to... 25, 26? Probably have no idea what Top Gun is. Well, they know it's a t-shirt they bought in Top Man. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. And most of them are self-centred, so they're not going to have anything knowing what else is going on in this world outside of Instagram <laughs> and themselves anyway. Smoking like a true teacher. True bitter man. <laughs> bitter of the youth. Who teaches the youth. <laughs> so, I'm, so, interesting things, right? 
Are they going to go beat for beat remake in terms of try and mimic it to be a direct sequel? Mm-hmm. So will there be a, a, a shirtless volleyball scene, <laughs> which apparently was yeah. the straightest scene ever recorded? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Right, yeah. right. Uh, half the cast like are either actually dead or their character yeah. died. So is it going to be a new, you know? Batch of students that you he's teaching. You can kind of get away with it being like a, you know, in the loosest sense of the word, a war film. <laughs> <laughs> loosest sense of the world. Um, obviously, you know, everyone could have died in a battle. <laughs> so you can just reboot it. It's fine. <laughs> the thing is, like, you could never reboot anything that's a Tom Cruise franchise. Yeah. I mean, they, even, they tried it in Mission Impossible. They even got, um, what's his name, Hawkeye, Jeremy Rima, right. to to come in and he they even tried to reboot um, bloody Bourne with him in but but maybe it's a Jerry Room thing maybe it's Tom Cruise thing I don't know but um, anyway that's that started production slated for a 2019 release um, just to round off social media announcement Jeff Johns who is the executive producer of Warner Brothers for DC Slated Films also the president of DC Comic Books and he tweeted an cool image title. that is a pretty cool That's fucking cool I mean you're basically if you're bored with comic books you can then go make a film or yeah. if the film it's getting too much for you. You can just go back to your comic books. I mean, he could almost change his title to King of the Geeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'd be happy. I'd be happy have that He title. literally has a gold card for life. Yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> he can like, just walk into anywhere and just be like, oh, yeah, have you heard about his cool company? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I kind of make the whole fucking I, show. I am it. Yeah. <laughs> this is me. Sorry for BBS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's announced uh, the the era of when, era, should I say, of when Wonder Woman 2 is going to be set. Now, a lot of people have guessed Ooh. this already. Futuristic? Uh, no. No, they're, going, they're still going back in time okay, uh, yeah. on this. The title, I suppose, they had to be careful about this because he put WW84, and I thought, well, if you put WW2, that might piss a few people off. Oh. <laughs> mm. Twitter... I would, I would have thought Wonder Woman would be more of an Instagram sort of post. I don't know why I'm associating ages and, <laughs> and demographics to certain platforms, but I would have thought Twitter would have been where Tom Cruise would have announced and Wonder Woman would have been announced. I don't know why. Uh, I, just, well, I, I just feel like boxing these things now. Yeah, well, going... s- speaking of the Twitter box, you can always get in contact with us at Talk Filmy to Me. Oh, another crazy There's anyway. the plug. Um, so, just to wrap off news, so Power Rangers, the Power Rangers movie, the reboot, the slash abortion that came out last year, yeah. was, uh, to be fair, not particularly good in terms of commercial success, critical success among the fandom. Um, they spent a lot of money on making that film, didn't turn out the way they wanted to. Uh-huh. Um, but Hasbro have stepped in and purchased the rights for all Power Ranger entertainment. So that means video games, mobile apps, TV shows... Uh, films going forward and the president of Hasbro who is also in partnership with Paramount who made those Transformer films they made that Battleship film they've got loads of things in the pipeline at the moment Mm. do you remember that one where I can't remember it was called Centurions those toys Uh, that used to turn like it'll be a dude and he would like put on additional things that would make oh, him into yeah. a boat or a, a spaceship. Yeah. Essentially a more humanoid transformer. Yeah. They're making a film of that. They're mm. rebooting G.I. Jack. They've got this whole slate of films coming out in the next few years based on toys. the toys that people like and us... grew up with, yeah. Got, yeah, exactly. And they've come out and said, we will be rebooting Power Rangers again Ooh. and we're going to probably go in a different direction to the, the previous incarnation. A less shit direction, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, I can't. On Netflix, you can watch all the original Power Rangers episodes, and maybe they weren't just, great, were they? They weren't great. <laughs> Looking back at them now, they weren't great. No, but there was. I'll, I'll tweet it out later on the account. There was a fan movie made of. Um, it's called. I think it's. I think it's just called 
ranger right oh. and it's set in it's like it's proper gritty it's about 10 minutes long and it's basically someone is hunting down the power rangers and killing them Ooh. and it's incredible i will share it on twitter please watch it it is very very good but just to round up the news so bond 25 we know um we know danny boyle is going to be directing it and we know that <laughs> you say danny boyle was going to play bond i was like Interesting turn. <laughs> Imagine, well, yeah. I'm Danny Boyle. Uh, yeah. Do not confuse me with Michael Caine. Yeah. We just have similar voices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's directing it, and obviously Daniel Craig's going to be reprising the role. Is this going to be his last one? This is his. I mean, you've got to look at him. He's looking old. Like He really does need to yeah. sail into the sunset on this one. But if you think about classic Bond, he was never... like This is like the first... Oh, can I say this word in a... In, in 2018. In 2018, quite buff you know he's the first buff Bond really isn't he the rest of them were okay but they weren't like muscular and they got away of it but then again we remember the performances more where we kind of laugh at them a little bit so yeah, like sure. when when Sean Connery was clearly too old to play the role yeah. and it's just like listen to me sweetheart I know you're 30 years younger than me but come <laughs> here I'm gonna punch you I mean okay <laughs> times have moved on since yeah, then yeah. we should be thinking a little bit more progressively and yes okay age is but a number but and, and it has built a new franchise really hasn't it the Bond films they well, are, they're, they're a more gritty more real sort of yeah. Hardcore Bond, isn't it? But it only comes from competition, right? So, mm. Bond, if you think about Pierce Brosnan, I thought it was absolutely fantastic as Bond. I, Gold I love Knight. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Yeah, I love Gold Knight. Tomorrow yeah. Never Dies, I thought it was a really good film. Like, yeah. A lot of people yeah. put that as one of not so good ones. But, I mean, the one where he is literally sailing on a, on a glacier that's falling into the sea onto an invisible car oh, yeah. like and also yeah. Pierce Brosnan played the role too long as well you know yeah. he, was, he was there's nothing wrong with being a bit of a silver fox but he he was looking old in that film as well yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah that was when you like Bond really needs to take a break and then Jason Bourne came out and it mm. brought us a whole new style of film so and that's what encouraged the the new term with Daniel Craig obviously you know taking the helm from that part yeah. so I am fully supportive of switching things up um, but to be fair, Spectre wasn't the swan song that Daniel Craig deserves. So yeah. I'm kind of hoping that this is a, a real term for the books. Anyway, um, Hella Baron Carter, you know her as the ex of... Oh, no, no, I'm not going to go down that route. Fuck it, she's got her own career and her own writer. Yeah, she yeah. was Harry Potter films, uh, yeah. Fight Club. Better tricks in Harry Potter, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's also been in just tons of amazing Most films. Stuff. Obviously, it was in loads of... Oh, what's his name now? I can't think. Director who does everything with Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's on Tim Tim Burton. Tim Burton, yeah. Tim Burton, who literally, I mean, I find it weird. You know when you hear about collaborations, right? Partnerships work, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, look at this podcast, for example. Um, But in terms of, (laughs) you think about the greatest, great actors who always have someone they always can rely on. Bradley Cooper has Jennifer Lawrence. You've got... Um, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio who can basically just work with a rock and still make it fucking good I'm not going to say the rock then. no no that would be oh my god make this happen DiCaprio the rock perfect perfect absolutely no, 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 perfect need anyone else in the film just those two in the room <laughs> but um, actually saying about the rock him and Kevin Hart always seem to work together on yep, films that's true. there's always those collaborative partnerships that work really well become very fruitful but Johnny Depp and Tim Burton they seem to literally work so much and yeah. He keeps getting his wife involved as well. Yeah. So does he sit there and go, "Yeah, Johnny, you're gonna you're gonna get my wife today." Yeah. Don't worry, yeah. we've got another film in the pipeline. You're gonna get her there as well. Yeah. And don't worry, I won't be watching through the camera. I'll be in that wardrobe at the back of the studio. I'll watch through the crack. 
<laughs> we should point out that Tim Burton is not a peeping Tom. <laughs> but anyway, she um, anyway back to some more class. Hella um, Hella Bell Carter has been linked with the villain role for the new Bond film. So she, she plays a cracking villain. Like you know, just going back to the Harry Potter film series, like, that she played an amazing villain. You hated her and you loved her at the same time. Like that that's a classic sort of British villain rock. That is. I just hope she doesn't somehow manage to write into the story that she's some Victorian wench just going, (laughs) oh, baby, which she seems to do in every film. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, especially uh, the one again with Johnny Depp, uh, the barbershop one, wasn't it? Oh, um... Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, yes. Yes. Again, she was cracking in that as well. She's a fantastic actress. She can sing as well. She'll add a lot to that role. Yeah, and I think it's a new dynamic, really, because, you know, we're all crying out for a bit more modernisation in Bond films. When was the last time there was a female villain in a Bond film oh yeah you're testing me there's always been female villains uh, well it's but not enough psychics, but they're mostly psychics they're always psychics or like they're, the main killer for the big bad guy yeah or they're behind the scenes yeah. oh at the last second I got my way to the power yeah I got my way to power through sex yeah. and I've yeah they're the can... one who seduces James Bond and then tries to kill him and then he's like not today sweetheart <laughs> and punches <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're back to domestic yeah. violence in those films anyway um, hopefully this is a good term for the book so like it's, yeah. it's boning to be well Danny Boyle we know is obviously an excellent director Mm-hmm. and a great writer we know that obviously Helen is an amazing actress and Daniel Craig has got everything to, to play for here in terms yeah. of his legacy so actually looking forward to this one so anyway that is your news for this week there was something I missed out from the news this week actually Jamie I thought I'd tie it more into a feature oh. so Walking Dead classic TV show yes you've not told me it. this news I'm looking forward to this you're not oh okay okay well oh maybe not maybe not Andrew Lincoln who yeah. plays Rick, Rick, Rick Grimes. Mm-hmm. Um, he has announced he's leaving. Whoa! Yeah, he has announced he is leaving The Walking Dead. Uh, apologies if you've only just heard that for the first time, but it was actually quite big news when it came out a couple of days ago. But um, as well as actually Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie, she's also leaving. But that was kind of written yeah, in the stars. That, that felt like that was coming. Yeah, her character kind of went a bit weird yeah. and. Also, she's been cast as a lead in another TV show, which okay. kind of suggests how can you make The Walking Dead and this other TV show, because yeah. they're both very demanding. In in the UK, we a TV show for us lasts, what, six episodes, and we call that a season. Yeah. In America, they look at that and go, yeah. we don't even do a mid-season finale after six bitches. We do 23 tops, yeah. you know. So, obviously, the demands on these actors are a lot higher, so they can't necessarily sprinkle themselves thinly across TV mm. shows. So, it was kind of writing's on the wall for Lauren but that's obviously a massive shock you know what's that going to happen to the show so is there one more season then he's leaving or that's it he's done now he's leaving during the season so they're going to write in a narrative where he he goes that's going to make it tough because he is the walking dead he he, he, yeah he might as well call it walking rick that could kill the franchise it could do but there's an argument to say that the franchise probably could have been sunsetted a bit by now I, I I find this one tough because the bit I like and this is probably I'm probably in a very small percentage of the population here, maybe two percent. But I think the the good thing that Walking Dead ha- had is it wasn't just a zombie TV show; it was a dystopian TV show as well. It was all about the end of the world and rebuilding civilization. I don't care about that. See, I do. I, I like that bit. I like not. I like the social dynamic. I like how do they get the lights back on? How do they build defenses? I like that element of it because that's a bit like oh. Because let's be honest, after the initial smash and grab of a zombie film, smashing in heads and grabbing all the food you can. Thank you for clarifying that wasn't how your president operates. (laughs) (laughs) You know, 
what's next? What is the next steps? That's the bit I find really intriguing. And I know a lot of people felt that's the slowest and the dullest parts of the series. And don't get me wrong, it has been quite slow and dull in places. But I like that element. Okay, well, I'm going to take my, my jokey lad hat off and be more of a, a film critic or attempt to be on this. And I, I do concur with some of that. So, obviously... What keeps you in the show isn't the special effects. It isn't yeah. the the violence necessary. It might draw you in to yeah. begin with. What keeps you is those relationships yeah. that build. And the only way these relationships get tested is through adversity. Mm-hmm. So that's why season seven was such a dramatic impact because Negan posed such a massive threat. Yeah. And because we've spent the past seven years building relationships with some of these characters, when the big death happened it obviously had a massive impact. Now, the reason why a lot of people don't like season two, in particular, that's the one where they literally uh, spend the entire time on a farm. farm. That's a farm one, isn't there's it? No, there's no adversary to, to try and force them over other than themselves and that secret between yeah. Shane and Rick. But, you know, let's face it, you could have fleshed it out in a, in a single episode. Yeah. And they dragged it on for too long. So, providing the writing keeps the relationship building with a journey to go across, then it's interesting. I feel I feel like you're, yeah I totally agree with you there. Season two, far too early to have that sort of that because you haven't built those relationships with those with those actors with those mm. roles the you know characters you know when you're looking at season seven eight you know really they should be looking for a place to set up as home and that's kind of what the been the last couple of seasons have been mm. about. But there is kind of I call it the Walking Dead cycle, okay, which is yeah. they're out, they're feral, they're living off the land, they are literally at death's door mm-hmm. they stumble upon a set, uh, settlement they get introduced slowly they're a bit nervous there's a bit of a you know maybe someone dies and then they slowly get introduced into civilization they become human again they build relationships and then something threatens said settlement fucks it all up fucks it all up settlement gets crumbed yeah. they're on the land again repeat so, process yeah exactly so this leads me into a feature bloody long intro but interesting chat yeah. nonetheless yeah. what TV shows gone on a little bit too long leaving to a finale that felt a bit pointless and fruitless and, and kind of diminished the legacy of that show so what TV shows have gone on for longer than they should have? yeah or the finales have been just so unfulfilling because they yeah. went on for so long So I can think of two um First of all, Scrubs. Yeah, that's I'll throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, it went to oh, popping all over the place. I'm gonna. Uh... <laughs> um, so Scrubs, you know, it went on to them becoming the teachers, and I know the whole idea was going full circle, and Zach Braff wanted to tie it all off, didn't he? But you know, the, the idea of Scrubs is it was supposed to be, you know, just two guys who didn't really know what they were doing trying to save lives on a daily basis it was funny yeah and then he just got it just then they tried to introduce new characters and then they had like the brand new scrubs crew come in didn't interns they? Yeah, yeah the intern and it just it just yeah. didn't work for well me. in in scrubs defense in the last season of scrubs i'm not going to say interns because mm-hmm. that was a different thing uh, that was just that was just rubbish yeah. but um, there were so many production issues that we never actually got a finale mm-hmm. um, they actually just stuck a, a musical episode at the end, yeah. uh, which was supposed to be like a special, maybe like a Christmas special yeah, or something. Yeah. And they kind of made it a finale and it just didn't really bad. But I agree with you, it did go on for a bit too long. It did 
They also went in a weird direction in terms of the the cast, in terms of being a bit too preachy. So, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It did kind of go a bit off the rails from that. I think there was a couple of TV shows that kind of learned from Scrub's mistakes. So I think about Community. There's even an episode when Abed just literally says halfway through season three, do you remember when we used to be just about a community college and it used to be just funny? <laughs> it's almost like being quite meta yeah. about themselves and not taking themselves too yeah. seriously. But I'm just afraid of my favourite episode of that, Dungeons and Dragons. That is the greatest episode of that community. Do you know, Dan Harmon and his mates and writers from all these shows are not just... It's not a hobby for them. Dungeons & Dragons is a fucking way of life. (laughs) Brilliant. They do a podcast called Harmontown, which I can't recommend highly enough. It is so funny. And they actually do a segment at the end of every episode where they're continuing on a game of Dungeons & Dragons. Brilliant. But it's kind of invaded Hollywood, right? Because people who do Dungeons & Dragons when they were kids... um, they didn't realise it at the time, but they were actually doing a writer's room. That's effectively oh, yeah. being a writer's room for a TV so show. Up a story, aren't yeah, they? collaboratively yeah. and you're doing yeah. everything else. So it turns out that most of Hollywood's great TV writers are very good at Dungeons and Dragons. There's well, no maybe sub- we should start playing it. Maybe we should. Who knows? Maybe the next big thing will yeah. come from this podcast. <laughs> No, the correction thing to say there, Jamie, was this is the big Oh, thing. yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, this, yeah. Is the this is the greatest thing. Anyway, ever. TV shows that kind of jumped the shaft for me. So um, I've just been re-watching Sons of Anarchy. Like, yeah, I, 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 I breathe in sharply there because it pained me the way that ended. Yeah, and it was just kind of... It kind of just went on for a bit too long. Yeah, uh, but also, the way it ended, worst CGI ever. Yes, no, no, no very CGI true, ever. very true. But yeah, it, it, there was a couple of seasons at the end where you're just like, what's going on here? I think up until about season four or five, like, it's really, really good. Yeah. And there's a, um, but there's one bit I can't help but laugh. In, like, season one or two, there's a scene where all of the MC pulls up out the front of a bar where the mines are. Yeah. And Jax, for whatever reason, runs over and pushes over all their bikes to, like, make a statement yeah. or something. And they all come out, and it's basically, uh, for lack of a better word, Mexican standoff. They're all standing there firing guns. No one gets actually shot, but they're only about a foot in front. It's like an episode of fucking 18, where they just stand there, <laughs> blowing each other yeah. away with, obviously, fake guns. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was just like, a, really? It's kind of a bit weird. Um, so, yeah, Sons of Anarchy, for me, was kind of like a, a, an example of an amazing, amazing show, which just went on just a little bit too long. Got another one for you? Yeah. Dexter. Yeah, that that one. I've never seen. I've only got halfway through the final series. I stopped watching it there because I got told very reliably by you guys, do not carry on watching it because we all loved that show, didn't we? Yeah. Absolutely adored it. And from what I hear, that last half a season, first of all, it started getting weird when he liked his sister. <laughs> not a necessary plot twist there. Didn't need that in my life. Thank you for that. Um, They're in the writers' room. They go, you know, what this show needs incest. sexual tension between a brother and sister. <laughs> There's none in Joe. I don't think a show in Hollywood's done that yet. <laughs> oh, cruel intentions. <laughs> Game of Thrones are listening next oh, yeah, door, yeah, yeah, just yeah. going. You know what we should do? We should get a brother and sister totally <laughs> banging each other. <laughs> but oh, no, yeah. I agree with you. Dexter did go. Have you seen um, Safe, the new Netflix original? No. See, oh, that's the one with um, 
with Dexter in it, isn't yeah, it? Michael Michael Hall. Yeah, Michael yeah. yeah. Hall. Um, he plays a Brit in this, and to be honest... And his, and his daughter gets kidnapped, is that right? Yes. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the trailer. I do need to watch it. It looks quite good. My, yeah. my wife, three times mentioned in this podcast so far, might be a drinking game there somewhere, <laughs> but uh, she uh, says it's actually quite good. I can't get past his accent. Mm. He's like doing it, a, a stereotypical English accent. This sounded a bit weird when I heard it on the trailer. Yeah, it's, it's Dex just going, hello, have you seen my daughter? It's just... <laughs> Nice and calm and serial killer like. Yeah, Maybe yeah. To be fair, it. to be fair, and you can't help but think he's done it. Why? Because yeah, yeah. he's Dexter. He's a he's a, yeah, he's a serial killer. He knows how to do it properly. Exactly. So, yeah, I do think that. Um, that yeah, I, I have got like, another one as well. Go on in. Castle. Did you ever watch Castle? No, that's the, that weren't my jam really. Ah, uh, so great TV show. Cop uh, and a writer team up, end up falling in love. And uh, it's got the guy from Firefly. I can never remember his name, but he's one of my favourite actors. Um, I'll come I'm back. sorry, stretching. I, yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't think. Um, and uh, and yeah, so they end up getting together. And the final episode, I think, basically in real life, she hated her partner on the TV show because right. he's a bit of a misogynist. I think from the from my understanding, I, uh, yeah, this is just reported. I'm not saying I know this for a fact, <laughs> uh, and I want us to be sued. Um, and but yeah, you know, for some reason they fell out massively, and they and she wanted to walk away from the show, and they threw together this last episode badly. Right, <laughs> and it was a great TV show. I'd, I'd still recommend watching it. And the last TV show, they kind of just wound it up to make everyone happy. Sort of uh, okay. It wasn't great. Right. Well, so we talked about some some TV shows that that didn't know when to go. Let's talk about some TV shows that did. Now, the for me, the, the greatest example is Breaking Bad. Yeah, like well, they well designed. They designed it so well, and you know, there's an argument to say they probably didn't know they were going to go to five seasons. Um, some people say six, but it was just yeah. you know how they they done the timing on that. But anyway, they kept it to a limited scope. They mm. obviously progressed the character. They then obviously Walter paid his comeuppance. You know, yeah. he doesn't settle off into the sunset, no. and it's I think very close to a perfect experience for a TV show. Oh yeah, without a doubt, it is. Interesting from start to finish. Yeah, it pulls in your heartstrings. You know, you just love the action in it as well. It's got everything, and the uh, ending is perfect. Yeah, they do kick you in the balls for about ten episodes with Jesse. Like you see, that guy yeah. goes through pure hell. Yeah. Which, if you think about in Sons of Anarchy, they kind of try and do that with Juice, mm. um, where basically he he goes to prison and he literally yeah. endures yeah. the worst treatment a person can experience there on a regular yeah. basis. But that does not have a fraction of the emotional weight as what you do for Jesse. Uh, you know what he goes through in, in Breaking Bad. Completely yeah. different shows, although yeah. But I think I think you've summarised that. I don't, I don't think there are many shows more perfect than that. But I will just to go back slightly. We've forgotten the most obvious TV show, the most most obvious that should never have gone on for as long as it did. What can you figure it out? House. Oh no, House was super. Yeah, House was superb. House I was going to slap you if you said House, but Lost. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> how have we forgotten that one? I oh, know, I oh, know, that did go on that, far too long. I, I don't even know how many series it was. I think I stopped. I lost the plot after three. I, I, I was the only person who weren't interested after season yeah. one. And there's stuff apparently in season one that was never explained. Really? <laughs> in like the twelve seasons, or whatever there was of it, never explained. Well, JJ Abrams, if you're listening, 
yeah, stop that Star Wars nonsense. Get yeah. back and actually, you know, finish the circle. Tie the loops off on no, this one. No, there's too many episodes. We'll just take, <laughs> take it as it is. It's fine. But for for me, one of the most perfect TV shows out there, other than Breaking Bad and and the like. Actually, for me, I'm probably gonna go Mad Men. Um, right. I really like that TV show. And, I'm, and John, the other you know, the other co-host in this, we talk about Mad Men quite a lot. And mm-hmm. one of the things I absolutely love, but also which is one of the most strangest things about this TV show, is that we've been following Don Draper for a massive section of his life. He's gone through divorces. He's had children. Yeah. He's had affairs. He's he's left businesses. He started his own company. He's gone to the top. He's battled addiction. But you learn nothing about him as a person, really. Like he is so, he's such an empty vessel of a character and of a, a man. Like he tries, literally tries to fill it with alcohol. But yeah. there's something encapsulating about that, and the ending is so weird, but almost perfect. I've not seen it yet. <laughs> it's good. It. I really recommend it. It is fantastic. But do you know what it did remind me of? As you said it, Mad Dogs. Oh, okay. What well, the, the, the mini series done by the BBC? Yeah, it got, it got remade for Amazon. Yes, I think it's an American version of it yeah. as well. Philip Glenister's in it. Um, yeah, great guy. Superb TV series again. Yeah, but the BBC are very good at doing that. They're very good at making these very short, punchy TV series. They they have to right because they've only got six episodes to to get the point it. across. So Life on Mars. Speaking of Philip Glenister, mm, very good. That's yeah. a fantastic show. Ended very well. Uh, Life on Mars did. I thought Ashes to Ashes kind of done like mm-hmm. a weird cop out. To be honest, yeah, it felt like a I don't know, like they were trying to be an M Night Shyamalan film. <laughs> yeah, sort of son of yeah. guess what? It's purgatory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that ain't been fucking done before, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but um, yeah, for me, the the TV shows that definitely done it right as your Mad Men's, your your Breaking Bads, and hopefully Walking Dead doesn't jump the shark. Although I feel like. Will forever talk about it. Jump the garbage people or something like that to to encapsulate. Yeah, I think it's starting to to, to wade a little bit. Yeah. But it is odd how they make these decisions, isn't there? They've got TV shows that finish far too soon um, yeah. because you know they don't get the ratings. And I don't really know how they. I think sometimes they figure out these ratings by asking twenty people in a room, and if they haven't seen it, they cancel it. Yeah. There's a great Netflix TV series called Lucifer. It's not Netflix. I tell a lie. Not it's Amazon. All. It's not even Amazon. No, no. It's, it's ABC, I think. Yeah, but, but Amazon but, distributes but Amazon in shows the UK. Yeah. Um, season three ended on a cliffhanger. Still gets very good ratings. Amazon numbers are still very strong. And they've decided not to, to renew it. Yeah, they. it was act season at, um, yeah. in America for all these beloved TV shows. And The Expanse, that got mm. that got axed. But that's been picked up okay. by someone else. I think ABC have stepped in at the last second and picked yeah. it up. But Lucifer has definitely... Like I said, met the axe at the moment. Yeah. A lot of people are begging for CW to come swoop in right. and tie that with their Arrowverse, which might be yeah, an interesting yeah, thing. Okay. Um, but also Gotham, um, the TV show, that was hanging by a thread and it was because of a Twitter campaign that it got renewed for one more season. Oh, God, it's brilliant. Uh, it, has, it took me a while to like it. Like mm-hmm. at first, I was just like, this is Batman without Batman. And then it was like, <laughs> yeah. you can't tell me this child is Batman. Like, yeah. yes, you can say he's Bruce Wayne, and yes, you can send him off for forever, and he <laughs> right. never comes back. Rather than, I'm Batman, he'll be, I'm Batman, my voice isn't broken yet. <laughs> and Macaulay Culkin somehow yeah. back in it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Gotham season five, they are ending with it, him transitioning into becoming Batman, yes. a la Smallville, how yeah. the last scene in Smallville which a lot of people hold as a perfect superhero show. Yeah. Um, it ends with him unbuttoning the shirt and you see him be Superman. They're going to do something similar in this. Okay. So, 
That's a good ending. That's a good ending. Yeah, it's quite cool. So I, I don't know how they can end Walking Dead. It looks like Daryl's going to be the, the lead in this from now on. And Daryl, you know, obviously is not owned by the Walking Dead franchise, is it? It's a, it's a character that's been put in by the network, isn't it? That's, what, that's where they make their money, isn't it? The network is from the character Daryl. Yes, so yeah, he's, yeah not in, he's not in the comic books. He's not anything to do with. Oh, really? Is Daryl not in the comic no, books? He's not wow, at all. I didn't know that. Yeah, so he's actually one produced by the network, and so they get all the rights for merchandise, everything from him. Wow, which is why he's unlikely to ever die, because most of the other characters are from the original comic books. Wow, I did not know that. So, whoa, check me out. The yeah. film TV knowledge. So Norman Reedus. I hope apparently. that's true. I hope I'm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure we'll find Fact out. Check. <laughs> yeah. But Norman Reedus apparently is getting a massive payday. The only thing is, okay. don't worry, I love the character Daryl, mm. but he's not I, a leader. I felt like I can summarise up his dialogue over the last season <laughs> in about three words. Like I don't obviously Carol, Norman Reedus. <laughs> Norman Reedus is a great actor. He yeah. has, he he does have some great chops. So hopefully they give him some interesting lines mm. and some interesting situations here. You got to keep Carol in it as well. She's a key actress, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah, but then again, you know, all bets are off now. Yeah, true. I think Michonne. I think given her popularity, she's just opened up a play in London, oh, yeah. Um, and so yeah, chances are she'll probably be and her success. Yeah, she's yeah, and they killed off the tiger now, which I think was a real shame. No, no, no spoiler alert there, but. Oh, when that tiger died, I was. I cried. Yeah. Although saying that, King Ezekiel is such a breath of fresh air. I love him. I love him. He's insane and great at the same time. I'd love to see like a buddy cop movie with him and Negan. (laughs) But they're still their characters from Walking Dead. So they're just driving along, and Negan could just be like, Well, I'll say we're just going to go kick some ass and take some names. And Ezekiel will just be like, who art thou talking to me like that? <laughs> I don't know. I can't do dialogue. But um, but anyway, there you have it. What TV shows do you feel jumped the shark? What TV shows do you think had the perfect ending? Let us know at Talk Filmy to me. Shall we have a review? I do like a good review. For the review this week, John and his illustrious wife, Jamie. You may know her from the podcast, How to Save the World. She's also actually of stage fame as well, performing in various uh, institutions around the country. Her and John are going to review for us First Match. It's a Netflix original. Apparently, it's very, very good. It's won loads of awards on the film circuit. And uh, yeah, here they are. Enjoy. Streaming Gems. Hello, John and Jamie here from Talk Filmy to Me. Hello. This week we're reviewing First Match, which came out on Netflix this week. A gritty New York, Brooklyn drama, sports drama, I should say, about a young girl. She's passed from foster home to foster home. She has a very troubled relationship with her dad, who's just got out of prison, and she's desperate to have some kind of relationship with him, which leads her down some rather dark paths. But also some light paths. Her her desire to connect with her dad is what gets her interested in the high school wrestling team. Ever the optimist, well, my it- American counterpart. <laughs> It turns out she's a really wicked wrestler. She is. So, when you first heard this title, did you what did what did you think it was? It sounds a bit rom-commy, doesn't it? First match. That's yeah. what I thought. I was like, not another rom-com. What have you got me on, Flinty? But <laughs> I was relieved to know it's a, a kind of gritty sports drama in the wrestling world. Some great performances from some unknowns, I'm sure most people would agree. We got Elvia Emmanuel who plays our main protagonist, mm. Monique or Mo, as she's known. We got her father, played by Yaha Abdul Mateen II. 
Yeah, excellent performances. Actually, I thought everyone did a beautiful job. And even though it is quite an archetypal sort of story arc for a sports movie like you've got your montages you've got your you know your high highs your low lows you were all over the montages i was all over the montages wrapping through <laughs> jamie managed to predict 90 percent of this movie before it happened um despite that though it was still very enjoyable wasn't it yeah i think it's really authentic and really the the heart of it lies with the characters and the strong writing and the strong performances mm. and you believe these characters right these i mean it's all high school kids who look like they're being played by older teenagers so it's not a dawson's creek thing where you have adults playing kids and it's not quite believable you, you do believe this and you believe in their relationships and it does give it a really good feel even though there's cliches you will predict a lot of what's coming it actually really grabs you still, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's not so much about what's coming, I think, along the plot line as much as it is about her coming of age and her learning to draw boundaries and gain independence from familial relationships that don't necessarily serve her well. That's right. I think that's the main thing I took away from this movie, uh, a kind of lesson to leave toxic relationships no matter how close they are to you i think she had some really difficult decisions to make with her friends and her family and it was all about keep, keeping that balance and trying to weave the line between that and at the heart this is a very much a coming of age movie right so she needs to kind of do some growing up and she does become a different person throughout the movie without it seeming unbelievable. Absolutely. She's at that age as a teenager where you can go through many different phases and you're growing up fast. So it never really uh, left me thinking, oh, come on, that's a that's a bit of a plot hole there. It, it really got to the heart of it. And you could tell Olivia Newman's done um, a great job developing these characters and she's really thought about it. Criticisms would be the predictability of it, right? Yeah, it's a bit predictable, but that's small potatoes for me. Yeah, it's got a great hip-hop soundtrack. Seems very uh, true to the movie and real. And a couple of moments it uses some slightly different music, and I think that was really effective as well. There's one scene where it's a kind of a bit more of a classy jazz feel. And oh, you're it was so just observant about that kind of thing. I didn't really I'm notice. a musician. He's a muse, though. That's what I do. Great performances. I'd like to say it's always cool to see a great female creative team, female screenwriter, female director. Um, the movie centers around a female, young black female protagonist who really has a lot to fight against, both literally and figuratively. And despite all of that, of course, it's, it's still a really universal story, isn't mm. it? I just want to mention as well the ending, which... Uh, at first left me hanging a little bit and after as I mulled it over it actually was quite satisfying because it does leave you it's not like the typical sports movie where Rocky has his big fight and saves the day and he's a hero it's more like you don't really get to see that part and this girl is just on the very start of her journey and she's going to have a lot of ups and downs but she sort of 
had this epiphany and made up her mind about this part and she seems to have gone in the good direction uh, without spoiling anything. Yeah, I, I hate to spoil it. or Yeah, I won't. But it underlines the fact that it's not really about the wrestling, is it? Like the wrestling was a tool for her to grow up in a more, you know, concrete and profound way. Um, but but the wrestling isn't the end-all, be-all, you know, whatever happens at, at the match. Anyway, you'll see. You'll see. We highly recommend this movie. It's great. We do. So let's give it a score, Jamie. Um, I'm feeling a three and a half. Um, I'll give it a solid four. You give it a solid four. So we're going to split the difference. <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to. 3.75. Well, we'll be really interested to see what you guys think of it. So please get in touch at Talk Filmy to Me on Twitter. Let us know. First match, four out of five. <laughs> so there you have it. Four out of five. Sounds like a really good film. And actually Netflix have, have started to buck the trend of producing crap films and actually starting to bring us back to some glory days of similar to Okjar and to the bone and that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, thanks for the review, guys. Anyway, Jamie, it's game time. Ooh. And I decided... That Connect the Dots was so successful, we're going to shelve it for a little bit. Oh. And I've got a new game for you with a new jingle, and I'm going to call it Cage on Nonsense. I'm like a prickly pear. That's right. That is right. Get the fuck out of my way. Hi, I need to read this. I don't have a prescription. I'd like to take his, his face. You're like a cat. Oh, and uh, throw in a couple martinis while you're at it. All you have to do! So, Cage or Nonsense. So, Nicolas Cage, the most prolific actor in Hollywood, has starred in over 89 movies. 89 movies? 89 movies. It's fair to say... How, how is that possible? I, I, it must be doing like three a year. He's powered by something better than we are, that's all I can he say. He's a hero. So, 89 films, it's fair to say some of them are classic, some of them are complete nonsense. And yep. what Jamie has to do, or my guest, I'm going to read out the synopsises to some films. And you have to tell me whether they're a genuine Nicolas Cage movie or just complete nonsense. So, would it be that you've made up a synopsis, or would it be a synopsis for another film? I would have made them up. Right, okay, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so you get it? Yeah. So I tell you a synopsis and you say if it's a Nicolas Cage film or yeah. just pure nonsense. Okay. Okay. Have you actually written down the nonsense ones? Yes. I'll just look at your eyes otherwise. No, no, okay. I've generally written okay. these down okay. like a uh, thing. Okay. okay, so film number one. In order to foil an expedition plot, an FBI agent undergoes a facial transplant surgery and assumes the identity and physical appearance of a terrorist. But the plan turns from bad to worse when the same terrorist impersonates that FBI agent. No, that's got. That sounds like a shit version of Face Off. No, that that's, was Face Off. That was Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> Is he in Face Off? Yes. Oh, this case. I'm going to this case. Okay, one point. <laughs> yes. Okay. Film two, set in the year 2089, a ruthless dictator has had a crisis of conscience and he's decided that the world is far better off if he didn't decide to kill his general father and cause a military coup. General Francis Humbleton travels back in time to convince a younger version of himself to rethink his decision. If all else fails, he has to kill himself. <laughs> I'm going to say nonsense because you went for 2089 and he happened to done 89 films. I think that oh, number is in your head. It sounds like a hilarious film, but it sounds like it should be a comedy, not a cage. Nonsense. It is complete nonsense. <laughs> 
I liked it though. I liked it. Well, he'd have to kill himself. What? <laughs> <laughs> there are some crazy. There are some crazy Nicholas Cage moves. Anyway, film number three. A shady police detective finds himself in the middle of a murder conspiracy at an important boxing match in an Atlantic City casino. Is that what you're giving me? That's what I'm giving you. Oh. He would pay a good shady cop. I know you're a big fan of boxing, so I'm going to say nonsense. It's a genuine film. Ah, it's it's called Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah. So... So you're currently you're sitting on two. Not bad, not bad, not bad. Hit rate in a moment. Okay, so so the final film, a hitman who's in Bangkok tries to pull off a series of jobs that violates his own personal code when he falls for a local woman and bonds with a local errand boy. Oh, that sounds like the mechanic. Uh, I'm gonna say yeah, Cage. It is a Cage film. It's oh. Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> Sorry, what's it called? Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> it's set in Bangkok. <laughs> Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> Careful where you uh, you will do your uh, your apostrophes in that one. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there you have it. If you've got a film or a fake synopsis you'd like to submit the cage or nonsense, set it in at Talk Filmy to me. So Jamie's kicked us off. Three out of four. Yes. Oh, and uh, throw in a couple of martinis while you're at it. All you have to do. Yeah, I don't think we need eighteen seconds for that jingle. But then again. Give the people what they want. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it means that you get more content from Talk Filmy to Me. Actually, before I thank our guest, I want to thank the people that have been subscribing to us on Podbean. We have made it to the innocuous number, the number of the beast, 666. Thank you so much for following us and keep getting content from us. Over the next couple of weeks, we've obviously been growing our Twitter base. We're going to be making an announcement very soon. We're partnering with a film merchandise website. Ooh. Ooh. Who we're going to have lots of cool things to be giving out and lots of competitions coming in the future. So watch this space. Obviously, we're going to be using our social media channels to distribute this stuff. So if you follow us, you get the chance to start winning stuff. So click on that follow button. Anyway, Jamie, thank you so much for your time as always, pal. How can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. in Space or at Wilflint Live. Hannon in Space. Next week, we'll be back with cinematic releases of talking about Jurassic World 2. We've been invited to a press screening of Ocean's 8. We're also going to be playing Cage or Nonsense. There's going to be so much cool stuff. But either way, keep listening, keep following, and stay filmy. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.